Well, hello everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Wednesday, November the 15th, 2023, and I am delighted to be with you as we just make our way through this week. Uh, and I'm delighted to be with you because of where we are in Acts chapter 17. Y'all, if you remember, I said that Acts in many ways is like the genesis of the New Testament. It shows the beginning of a lot of things, including the beginning of the church, but also if you recall, way back when, when we got started in Acts, I talked about the fact that Acts is also like Genesis in that different principles are laid down. Fundamental principles to who we are and how we think and what our motivations ought to be and so forth. Because so much is revealed about not only God, as does the Old Testament, but about Jesus Christ and the gospel. So much is revealed about salvation and all. So much is revealed about how human beings work. And before you say, well, wait a second, this is 2,000 years old. Yeah, but human beings really haven't changed that much. Look throughout history sometime and you'll see what I mean. But I'm excited because probably in many ways, from a pastor's perspective, okay, from a pastor's perspective, there are a few chapters in Acts that really stick out that, that provide so much fundamental stuff to talk about. Acts chapter 15, I mean, look, I'm a Presbyterian, right, where we learn about where the presbyterally are, where we learn about the Presbyterian church government. Obviously, that matters to me. But in terms of just sheer knowledge that, that is available for us, sheer teachings that are there. Acts chapter 17, y'all, and, and we've seen some of this already, haven't we? Some of it uh, when Paul was dealing with those in Thessalonica, right? When the Jews became jealous, showing that the world is jealous of Christianity. Why? Because Christianity is the genuine article. The world is full of lies. We saw it beginning in verse 10 with Bereans. We saw those noble Bereans who were eager to receive the message of the Lord. But also, also they ran everything through the sieve of the scriptures, right? They, they checked everything by the scriptures. And yet again, the world was jealous because of those that were converting. And now, where we came to yesterday is Athens. And we really just scraped the surface. But y'all, we, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but Athens was such a fundamental, important city to, to the Roman Empire, yes, to Greece. To, look, remember, the Roman Empire spread on Hellenistic principles. Helen of Greece, that sort of thing, right? Um, Alexander the Great was obsessed with ancient Greece, ancient Greek philosophy, the gods and goddesses of, of Greek mythology, right? In Rome, they got different names. Um, it wasn't Zeus. Zeus is Greek. In Rome, it was, uh, oh goodness, Jupiter, right? Um, in in uh, the god of the sea, uh, Poseidon in Greece became known as Neptune, right? Um, Aphrodite, um, the, the goddess of love, became known as Venus. And we could go on and on down the list. But nevertheless, the Roman Empire was obsessed with Greek culture. It is what shaped the Roman Empire. And Athens is of fundamental importance because Athens really served as the center of philosophy. And so Paul, who we have watched reason all this time with so many different people, he's in the hub, y'all. And what is revealed here is so important for you and me today. 
that teaches us so many things, again, about life, about how people are, about what we ought to do, what we shouldn't do. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Let's pray, and then we will dig in. Our God and our Father, I thank you so much for this time that you have given to us, and, and just jumping in right at the start here, because we got a lot to cover. We, we pray that you would be with us today, and as we continue on through Acts chapter 17, as we hear not only the message of salvation, but the logical side of what is presented. It help us to understand and, and help us to gather from this how we should interact with the world around us. And let us see the world for what it is and ourselves for who we are too. We're not going to do any of this without your Holy Spirit. So please guide us now. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so yesterday, if you recall, where we left off was in verse 18. We started in verse, well, we dealt with the Bereans first. Then we made it to verse 16, which is where Paul goes to Athens. And we talked about how when Paul went all around Athens, he saw the different idols, the different gods, the different goddesses. And it says in verse 16, he was greatly distressed. One of the applications for yesterday is how do you react to the world around you, right? And and not only in feeling, right? Because anybody can be greatly distressed over what they see in the news, what they see in our culture. But does your great distress lead you to do what Paul did, which is, so verse 17, he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. Paul's great distress over what he saw in the world around him led him to the conclusion that he needed to get serious about evangelism. He needed to get real serious about telling people about Jesus because he knew that was the only thing that would change the world around him. Guess what? Newsflash, that's the only thing that will change the world around you and me too. That's it. Not complicated. It's not a political figure. It's not a political party. It's not some new philosophy. It's not if we aren't oil dependent. It's Don't buy all that stuff. There's a reason that the world was jealous of Christianity then and is jealous of us now and tries to do everything it, it can to drive us away from the core message. And that is that in Jesus alone is life and fulfillment. World offers substitutes, usually revolving around things that they want to sell you. You probably realize that already, but if not, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but then again, that's not really honest because I don't mind being the bearer of that bad news and pointing out what the world is really like. Now, we see it 2,000 years ago, we can see it today. What we see after this and where we left off is that a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, this is verse 18, began to dispute with him and, and some agreed, some, you know, some said that he was a babbler, some said that he was bringing in foreign teachings and religions, and all of this because the end of verse 18, Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. All right. What's fascinating here is, again, if you had a scale of philosophy, now realize in ancient Rome, there was an entire gambit of philosophy, people that, that, that held to all sorts of different ideals, much like today. But if you could plot them on a spectrum, right, where one would be far, far left in terms of liberal living, and one would be far, far right in terms of just conservative, bare bones living. You know, that would be the Epicureans on the left and the Stoics on the right. The core 
of being a Stoic was basically denying the flesh, denying pleasure, denying anything of this world to such an extent you would find truth. Okay, you know, these are the people that you do not want to invite to the party. They will ruin it. Whereas if you wanted to throw a great party, invite the Epicureans, okay? There were, even used to be a cooking show called Epicureans back in the day. Maybe you remember it. But anyway, invite the Epicureans because instead of denying the flesh, the Epicureans were on the other end of the equation, which was fulfill the flesh. Hey, if it feels good, do it, right? Eat as much as you want. Um, I don't know any other way to say it. Be with whomever you want. And um, yeah, that, that's what I mean here. Yeah, that was the Epicurean. So you see these people on the total opposite ends of the equations uh, or, or of the spectrum uh, are both dealing with Paul. Again, the gospel brings the world together, y'all. Talked about it in the past. It either brings the world together in faith in Christ or it brings the world together in opposition to Christ. That's what's going on here. Now, what happens next? Where we pick up today, verse 19, okay? They took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. That's a mouthful, isn't it? To a meeting, this is verse 19. They took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. Where did they say to him? May we know this new teaching is, or may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? Sorry, I can't read today. All right, so, so what's going on here? Time out. The Areopagus was a hillside in Athens that really was the center of philosophy. Paul's about to talk about this just a little bit more. But the Areopagus was a hillside on which philosophers and their philosophical schools gathered. Philosophers and their pupils would gather on the Areopagus, the hill in Athens, and that is where they would do everything from pontificate on philosophy to argue with one another. There was debate there, you know, all of these discussions. So this is the absolute hub. And y'all, if you had to put it in, in a different light, this is the hub of thought for the modern world as everybody knew it at that time. For the known world as everybody knew it at that time. Remember, the Roman Empire had conquered so much of what everybody even knew about. And Athens was the absolute center of thought. It's the absolute center of progressive thinking, right? I tried to think about, you know, what that would translate to today. And the problem is, it comes so, you know, the wheels have come so far off of the wagon you know, back in the day, you might have said, well, it would be like the Harvard of that day. Well, Harvard's lost its mind. Or certainly, you know, when you think about cutting edge in terms of shaping thought, California, God forbid, but it, it actually is the cutting edge of shaping thought. And so that is kind of appropriate because the, 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 the prevailing thought of the day in the Roman Empire, y'all realize it's really close to the end for the Roman Empire. <clears throat> By the time we get to here, you know, we're talking uh, 40, 50, really more like the 40s AD. By the time Paul goes to Athens and the Areopagus, it's really just going to be a few generations more before the Roman Empire falls. It is going to crumble from the inside out. One of the reasons is what we're reading about today. 
this plethora, this abundance of gods and goddesses that interestingly enough, many of which revolved around gratifying the self, gratifying the flesh. And as a result, you know, there's a wonderful, oh my goodness, it's, it is a wonderful series, excellent book, but there's even a video series and it's free online. You can stream it. It comes from a, a, a Christian theologian named Francis Schaeffer. And I think this was made in the late 70s, early 80s. And um, it's called, How Should We Then Live? Or How Then Should We Live? I can't remember which one it is. One of the two, right? Where he looks at the rise and fall of empires throughout all time, right? And he talks about in the Roman Empire, early art in the Roman Empire, early government, early philosophical things, right? And how the Roman government just continued to devolve and devolve and art became ridiculous. Music became unbearable. You know, you listen to music now. Oh, y'all. Seriously, some of that stuff, and I know I sound super old. I'm 42 years old, but you know, some of it, it's like I could put a fork in the garbage disposal and say, at least it's got a beat. It's better than what's out there now, right? And what Francis Schaeffer talked about was as a society declines, the art declines, morality declines, realize that in the Roman Empire very shortly after this, one of the big forms of entertainment in Rome itself is watching defenseless people women, children being eaten by lions. That's entertainment. You know, we got reality TV. People say, oh, now is the worst that it's ever been. Well, I don't know. It's, it's pretty bad now. It is pretty bad, but I still think we got a ways to go until we reach the status of ancient Rome where pedophilia was embraced, right? It was common. Um, where again, the slaughter of defenseless people was just a form of entertainment. Reality TV is pretty terrible for us, but anyway, anyway, Athens is the center of all of this, right? Athens, even though I know it's called the Roman Empire, I, I know, but as far as thinking went, the Areopagus, y'all, Paul has arrived here. Now, what happens? They, they ask him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? Verse 20. They continue, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. And then a note is given here. It's in parenthesis, it's parenthetical. So this is Luke, read this as Luke who wrote the book of Acts. Remember, he's writing to Theophilus, but this is also God's word to his people. Just listen, just listen to what Luke said about the Athenians because there's an indictment here for both them 2,000 years ago and us today. Verse 21, what does he say about him? He said, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. I'm going to read that again. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Now y'all realize something. The Bible doesn't exaggerate. It really doesn't. And when Luke wrote this, remember Luke is the author's writing this to Theophilus, all that kind of stuff, right? When Luke wrote this, this wasn't just him not liking the Athenians. 
This wasn't just an opinion about, you know, Athenians or something like, no, 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 no. This is God breathing this out through Luke, and he's pointing to what their society was like. What is it like? It's all talk. And people are content to just sit there and listen to the latest thing and do nothing. They do nothing to build society. They do nothing to contribute to it. All they do is sit there and and just dwell on these nebulous things. Now, earlier I talked about if somebody said, well, what do you mean this shows what people are like? It's 2,000 years ago. Have you looked around American culture lately? Aren't we living in this time where people who built absolutely nothing want to destroy everything? Maybe you don't realize that. I don't know where you're coming from. I'm in Virginia, right, where Lee Chapel is no more, where they put drywall over where, you know, the the epitaph to Lee was. And, and no, um, this is not some endorsement of slavery or anything like that. This is just simply saying that history shouldn't be destroyed and, and come at me if you want to. That's fine. I, I've said it from the beginning and, and, and I'm a son of the South and I'm proud of that. And no, that doesn't make me a racist. So, it, But that's just an example, y'all. And it's not just him. It's, it's everybody. We, we live in this progressive agenda time that embraces the ideals of Marxism that, that wants to create social discord and just destroy everything and do nothing. Do nothing. And it, it never ceases to amaze me that the people that embrace this are the very ones that when Marxism takes over, that when communism takes over, it's like the people that embrace this and try to encourage this sort of thing that we see in Athens, right, that, that they want in America now, they really don't think that, that they're going to be the first ones that have to face the wall. And if you don't understand that metaphor, then then you should know some more history. But really, I mean, it's like the hipsters out there that, that try to embrace this stuff. They think that they're going to be allowed to sit in Starbucks if communism takes over and, 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 and make horrible music with SoundCloud. No, no, no. But see, this what we see going on in the United States now is the product of a society that has fallen into where the Athenians fell. That again... They spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas, and they didn't do anything. That's what's going on around you and me. I'm making no comment about the fact that it was just a couple of centuries later that Rome fell. Nevertheless, verse 22, Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Now, pause right there because this is where we're ending today and we're going to pick up tomorrow. How could he say that, right? All they did was just think about ideas. Now, the gods and goddesses, yeah, you get that. But Paul's point there is going to be revealed in in really what we get to tomorrow. But it's a reminder for you and me. Y'all, we've got this false idea that the problem of what's going on in our current culture is a lack of religion. Not true. Not true in the slightest bit. The problem is not a lack of religion, but the religion itself. There are many out there. 
in my own opinion, the biggest religion in the United States right now is politics. And as I said yesterday, we're living in the time of the Crusades. That's why you see the things happening that you see happening in the American landscape with politics, right? But nevertheless, y'all, just because somebody doesn't follow Christianity does not mean they're not a religious person. And I'm not even talking about major world religions. Again, Paul is addressing a group that all they did was think about things and they had these philosophical ideals, etc. That's enough to make somebody religious. The problem isn't a lack of religion. The problem is too much religion and not in the right direction. Now, I would advise you to dwell on these things as you consider America. And if my comments have offended somebody, I, I really am. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to be a firebrand. I'm just trying to point out what's going on in the world around us. And by the way, this is a devotional, not a sermon. So again, if you want to come at me, come at me. That's fine. But nevertheless, y'all, to say that the Bible doesn't apply, to say that, ah, oh, it's 2,000 years old, what does that have to do with today? Way too much is what it has to do with today. And yet again, the answer, it's not any of those things that the world would use to answer this. The answer is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. And I pray that, uh, that my words would fade away, that your word would shine forth. I pray that you would give us understanding, that you would let us understand the world around us so that we can see the great need to be your representatives. Please convict us. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at six o'clock. Until then, I hope that you have a very pleasant Wednesday. Take care.